Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today's episode of Parallel Lives is a special edition in honor of Father's Day. Our guest is none other than Miles Garber, who is the host and founder of Call Me Dada, a media platform and podcast that aims to educate, inspire, and start a conversation about modern fatherhood. Miles is a longtime favorite of ours over here at Parallel because of his vulnerability and mission of helping other dads feeling alienated or afraid in the parenthood journey. He is a dad to a two-year-old, and he's currently writing his soon-to-debut book called Call Me Dada about his own story and realizations. He also offers one-on-one coaching for other dads and dads-to-be on his website, but today we are talking about his experience of becoming a parent from a dad's point of view, and I have to say it's pretty fascinating. He talks about how the male brain changes in fatherhood and how we can all better support our partners and dads. It's an insightful conversation that we're sure you're going to love. I hope you enjoy the show. Miles, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course, you are our very first dad. This is a special Father's Day edition, so... I'm just particularly excited to have you on here because you have created such an interesting conversation around fatherhood and your own experience. So excited to dive in with you. Yeah, me too. Cool. So let's rewind. Did you always know that you wanted to be a dad? You know, that's such an interesting question. And I've thought about it a lot. No. I didn't think I would ever have kids, to be honest with you. You know, I had like a very colorful, somewhat traumatic life. And I just really didn't think at the time I called it like the white picket fence, but I just didn't think I'd ever get it. I didn't think I was deserving of it. I didn't think it would happen. I, I really didn't think, I think I always like liked kids. I come from a really big family. So like kids and babies it was never foreign to me. It never felt awkward being around them or anything like that. It was just more like, I just never thought it would happen to me. Interesting. It sounds like also the idea of having a, let's just call like a successful quote unquote family structure was kind of idealized in a way. A hundred percent. I don't think everyone is like this, obviously, but I think kids who grow up with single parents, especially kids or, you know, I hate to say this, but like, especially boys who grew up without fathers, it destroys your confidence. Like you don't have confidence growing up because you feel, you know, like my parent left me. So why won't everyone else? I think, you know, that ideal quote family, it's not even about like the, you know, the perfect family or anything like that, but like just a family, it seemed really far-fetched because it was like my life was hard and it was always going to be hard and there was never going to be like a rainbow at the end of my tunnel and it always felt like you know like having a kid or a partner or whatever was like a rainbow and (laughs) I was just undeserving of that was that inspired because of your own relationship I know you've been pretty open about your complicated past with your own father it sounds like that very much might have inspired some of that is that right 
Yeah, very much so, you know. I mean, my dad had, and I have um, actually no history because we didn't know each other until about eight months ago. So wow, it was very inspiring to me. But um, now it's interesting because uh, my dad and I do have a relationship, and I actually think my dad's really, like, awesome. <laughs> like, we're cool. Like, That's we're so friends. Cool. And, uh, wow. You know, I, I see the mistakes he made. And I think he sees the mistakes he made in me. And I think the reconciliation of it all is that me and my sister have kids and we're raising our kids together and we're raising them to know that they have a grandpa. The reconciliation is that we're all like, we're a family, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're creating a real family. Yeah. And also I think just seeing, there's this shift too that happens just in humans when we kind of go from seeing our parents as parents to just these full humans, the full, complicated, beautiful, Mm -hmm. ugly, all the things. And there's a bit of just natural reconciliation for that stage, you know, and it sounds like that really probably was, you know, amplified in, in your meeting him eight months ago. But what a beautiful, you know, moment in your journey to have that connection and bring him into your world and, introduce mm-hmm. him to your daughter. It's really neat. Yeah. Were you were you ready to become a parent? Like tell us about the moment you found out you were going to be a dad. What was going yeah. in your mind? Yeah. So I'm very open on my channel about my mental health and my addiction and everything. And at the time I was undiagnosed bipolar and I was also drinking very heavily. And um I remember you know, I was told that she was pregnant and we were like, we went out to dinner with like a friend I didn't know. And I'm sitting there at dinner just being like, why am I here? This is so weird. Why did you tell me on the way to dinner? Like, obviously, oh, like, gosh. I'm not like, I wasn't like mad, but I was just like, I don't want to be here. Like, you know, and it's also as people with children know, like, you can't really tell anyone at first. Like you have to wait and make sure that everything's good and like the baby's good. So we're like, we just found out. And at this time, I think she was like six or seven weeks pregnant. And all I wanted to do was tell the world. I was like, man, oh my God, we're having a, like, there's a baby. Like what? I'm sitting at dinner and I'm like drinking. And then we got home and I remember she went to bed and I was like listening to the cockatoo twins. This is like so funny. <laughs> the I same song. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was cherry colored funk or whatever that song is called, like over and over uh-huh. and over again. And I drank two bottles of wine to myself and just like cried. I think at the time it was like trauma bubbling up or I don't really know, yeah. but I just remember feeling like, very drunk and very confused and like really scared and like really intimidated. But at the same time, I felt this like deep connection to this baby. Like I was like, no, like we're going to have a baby. Like I, like I'm having a child, but I like couldn't piece it together. (laughs) But also I think it's, it's like this tidal wave hit you, but it's also this tidal wave of the unknown. Like, what does this even mean for you and your life and your relationship Mm. with your partner and this child. And it sounds like a lot of kind of what you're still trying to process 
from your own life. Mm-hmm. And that's the wild part about having a child. It really turns the mirror on yourself. Yeah, that mirror gets like cleaner and cleaner, meaning you could see more and more of yourself as your kids grow up. I see a lot of myself and my daughter now. She's two and a half and um, she's spunky. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I have to be really careful. <laughs> Because she she has an attitude just like daddy. And like, you know, I really have yeah. to like renegotiate <laughs> how I, I act in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They really do become this magnifier of our own selves. Mm-hmm. So what was it like watching your partner go through pregnancy and even birth? Like, how did you relate to her through that experience? So after the initial like shock and awe and like drunken crying... I got like really into it. We were lucky enough, like we had a midwife and a doula and um, our parents were like very involved. So um, I just asked like a ton of questions. I was always like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Like, what is this? What is that? I was kind of like the worrier, I would say. Like I was always just like, is it everything okay? Is everything okay? And um, I guess like all I can really say, because it's not like, I don't believe it's like my place to say some certain things, but mm-hmm. I remember the trimesters very vividly. Like I remember first trimester was like really difficult. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, there was like a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of like uncomfort. There was a lot of like questioning. Then I remember I saw how like crazy uncomfortable this thing is. Like, it's not of like, of course. The easiest thing to be pregnant, you know? <laughs> totally. And also, I think it's really interesting. We always hear about the mother's experience. But as a partner who's really invested in this journey and, I mean, it's your child, mm-hmm. it makes so much sense that you would be on that same emotional roller coaster of wonder and awe and fear and all of those yeah. things. So that's so interesting that you're kind of tracking along with, with your wife in that. And moving into the second try and third try. How were you feeling in the third trimester before baby arrived? Honestly, like third trimester was a party. Um, It was like really fun. (laughs) I love that. Like, I think it was like cool because like she was like finally like showing, like really showing. And Mm -hmm. it was COVID. So like our bubble was just our family. So it was just like every night was like family dinner. Like it was just kind of fun to be honest. And like, yeah. No one was working. No one was worrying about, I mean, people, other people were probably worrying about certain things, but like my world was like just so focused on the baby that it was just like, honestly, so fun. So nice. I had a COVID baby too. My daughter's two and a half. So they're about the same age. And there was something very special about that little COVID bubble and just kind of enjoying the delight and positivity of this little corner of the world. So women go through so many physical and emotional changes during that nine month period. You know, how are you changing and unfolding yourself? Yeah. So like I'm a big advocate for men's mental health and, um, you know, I read a lot about how the male brain changes when you know, you're having a baby. So It was interesting because I noticed my priorities were shifting. At the time, like I said, I was an undiagnosed alcoholic bipolar. So like yeah. 
I don't think I reacted to certain things the way I would now, but I remember nesting really hard. And everyone was like, she's going to nest. And I nested. I was like, the house needs to be this way. Like, we moved in the middle of COVID and I like moved us by myself and like really like um, kind of manically nesting and preparing. Like it was almost like I was like doomsday prepping or something. Interesting. Well, that makes so much sense too, because also I would imagine that oftentimes we are kind of program from a gender perspective, like the male is the provider. And do you think some of that was also kicking in? You know, what can I do to to support and provide for this new baby coming into the world? Big time. I put a lot of pressure on myself, like too much. And I think a lot of men do that because you feel a little bit out of control, right? Like you're not growing the baby. You're not going to be giving birth. So it's like, what's my role? What's my responsibility? And I think you know, some men obviously deal with it better than others, but I think a lot of men, it's like very confusing. And that is like a big thing I advocate for is like including men in this process, because like you just said, it's like, although you're not the person giving birth and you're not the person growing something inside of you, like you're very much still a part of the emotions. Like I just said, like there are a bunch of studies that like your brain is literally changing like your brain chemistry is changing so like to ignore that I think is you know isn't right wow you know we often hear of how women's brain chemistry changes through pregnancy and especially in postpartum I had no idea a father's brain changes as well yeah I mean there's three parts of your brain so the reptilian part of your brain is like essentially you could call it like caveman so that caveman part of you literally goes ding offspring right like that's why animals um fornicate is to produce offspring so like in the male brain you're going ding i'm having an offspring so you immediately go ding providing ding protection ding like you're dinging back here Uh (laughs) yeah yeah no i love this description i can understand it As humans evolve, the emotions come into it. I mean, I think men can do more work in their emotional evolution, but, you know, up here in your brain is where all the emotions come in. But like that, that reptilian part of your brain is actually like physically like going off. Wow. That's firing. Wow. That's fascinating. I love learning about the brain chemistry of how it ties into this whole experience of parenthood. It's just wild. So I want to do a quick tangent on just this idea of providing and being part of this kind of family system during this time. Where were you in your career at Mm. this moment? So that's something I'm still, you know, figuring out. Um, So I was a male model. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, I was a male model since I was 15. And but there's a big difference here. You're like a working male model. You've done some really big stuff. Yeah. Like it was my primary source of income since I was 14 or 15. Wow. At the time I had started a creative agency. So it was probably like the worst time to have a kid. If you're thinking of career, (laughs) like I had just started a company. (laughs) 
it was COVID. <laughs> like wow. I was a male model, so I <laughs> didn't get to have like unemployment because like I didn't have like a job job. So like it was pretty like totally stupid financially. I just refused to let that affect me. Like I was like, I'll figure it out. You know, like I don't believe that money makes a parent. I think a parent makes a parent. Granted, I, I did grow up like, you know, I had what I needed, but I didn't have money. So like, I was like, if my mom could make it work, I can make it work. So I just kind of like jumped in the deep end. Like I was like, I'll just keep hustling and I don't know. It'll be fine. It's a growth mindset because I was so eager to ask you that question because so many women feel they have to make concessions in their career when they become a mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my thought was, well, do men consider it that same way? And it sounds like it's something that certainly crossed your mind, but you had this kind of sense of like, you just had this fortitude to keep moving forward. But were you afraid that becoming a parent would hinder your ability to progress professionally? I wasn't afraid of it, of progression. I was afraid of where I was at. I was like, am I being selfish right now? Am I having a kid before I'm financially ready? And is that going to affect my child? I was more worried about that. Yeah, completely. And I I was only 30 when I had my kid. So I was like, no 30-year-old has their life figured out. I mean, I guess some do, but like for the most part, not really. <laughs> Let's be real. Like I'm north of 35 and I don't have anything figured out. I don't know that anyone really does. Yeah, <laughs> but you just, you just figure it out do your as best. you go. Yeah, yeah. You figure it out as you go. Okay, so let's go back to those early days with a newborn. What was that like for you when you first were holding your daughter for the very first time? What Did you feel a shift in you or in the world? Yeah, I'm really ashamed of that period of time. I found it really hard to connect with her. I found it really difficult to like even hold my kid. I was like really scared and confused and um just really uncomfortable. Like I I had never held a newborn. I didn't do research. You know, I didn't watch YouTube clips or read any books. So like I was really ill prepared and I'm like very ashamed of that. So I no I didn't have like this like come to Jesus. Okay. Like I'm a dad. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm a dad. What did I do? I think it's overwhelming. And I, I would be remiss to say that I think a lot of even women that are mothers feel that way. You hold this baby for the very first time. And it is just what, what does this mean? I don't, I don't think there's any movie or rule book or person that can genuinely prepare you for the magnitude of that moment and also those early days. So in those early days, having your daughter home, like how did you ultimately connect with her? Because you have such a deep connection now. How mm -hmm. did you start to forge that with her and be a part of this welcoming her into the family and home? I think it was like when I learned how to like put her down for a nap, <laughs> like I would yeah. wear her a lot, like in the carrier. And, um, the first time she like really fell asleep for me, I was like, oh, I, I got this. Like, I got this now. So empowering. <laughs> and that was like our, our thing, right? Was I was like, I always was like bouncing with her on the ball. And I was always like putting her in the carrier. And I was always like trying to be like, okay, like, let's work this out. Like you and me, like, how, am, how are we going to navigate this? You know what I mean? And 
once I started getting her down to sleep, it's like I felt the difference in like I'm freaking out to like, oh, I'm a dad. I got this. So interesting. I'm just even reflecting on my husband and he always was the magic one that could get our daughter down. And I bet that felt like such a moment of connection and impact because as you watch a woman, just by nature of what our bodies are anatomically made to do, like we carry the child, we birth the child, like we have a lot of physical things that we do to action and support the child. And, you know, I, I would wonder that perhaps as a, as a father figure in that relationship, like what is your action? Like, what can you own? Where's your domain where you can have that direct impact and getting your child to sleep there's no greater gift and no greater impact and a result that you can make you know in those early days wow i think that's that's the the trope of the new dad right it's like what what is my role and i think you know that's why i so heavily like advocate for dads is because Mm you know, that what is my role thing, I think is so outdated. Like we're so pivotal in this, in this journey. And it's time that like men feel like important in this, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when did you have that calling? Because I hear this, this desire to advocate for fathers and it's so imperative right now. And we're so grateful for all that you do. But you you started a podcast, which is now called Call Me Dada. Mm-hmm. And you started to create space for dads to open up and to really bring forth these these different ideas you're sharing. Like, what was that light bulb moment? When did that happen? Well, I started looking for it. <laughs> I was oh, like, I want a podcast. I want like a, a mom group. I want like... Yeah. Yeah. I want like a needle train. Like I want all of these yes. things. Like yes. it was, it was selfish. You know, I was like, I want that. And when I went looking for it, all I found was like this outdated, very broy, masculine, excuse my language, crap. It was crap. It was like, yo, bro, let's change diapers. And I'm like, yo, bro, that's not what I'm concerned with. I think, you know, just being somewhat of like an idealist and like honestly kind of an idiot. I was like, I'm just going to start something. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just going to do it. I guess it. we're all idiots if we start something. It's hard. Yeah. You are so spot on. There's this very, you know, almost this like layer of toxic masculinity that taints fatherhood and the conversation around it. And, you know, much of what I see online you know, around fathers are these silly dad memes and, you know, the the absentee dad who doesn't know how to change a diaper or warm a bottle or get baby to nap. And that has to change, but we have to see those really positive examples and also have deeper conversations than these really superficial kind of procedural roles in yeah. the relationship. So And I feel it's funny, like as much as I've been celebrated for Call Me Data, I've also been mm-hmm. hated on. Like I get really? comments all the time from men being like, you're a wimp or like, well, I don't uh, want to see this bullshit. Like, and yeah. it's like, you know, it's the illness of men. It, the modern man is, is sick. We teach boys to be awful, like still. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's also why I did it. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm so tired of this. Like, I'm just tired of it. I thank you as, as a mother to a, 
four-year-old boy. I hope he grows up feeling his feelings and being open to sharing that and seeing fathers that are role models like you that are not afraid to wear their heart on the sleeves and be honest because also so much of what we're dealing right now right now as a side is so much of what you just alluded to. So tell me more about what you talk about, what your mission is with Call Me Data. What are you like hoping to change? It's very simple. I'm hoping to just change the narrative in men. I want them to restructure the way they look at themselves and the world around them. I want them to be like, I'm a dad or, you know, I'm on top of my mental health, like, and, and make it cool. Like it's, it's cool to be a dad. It's not like yeah, going to buy some new balances. It's like, you can wear <laughs> new balances. That's fine. But like, that's so not what it's about. Like I saw firsthand the connection that my, you know, partner had with the baby. Like there's this very, very unexplainable bond between a mother and child but there's that bond between a father and child too. And I, I want to advocate for that. Like I want men to be like confident in that. And I also want men to start just opening up more. Like I'm, I'm so over the trope of whatever, whatever, dude, <laughs> like just like, just let's grow up. I want men to grow up. I want to grow up. You know what I mean? So it's it's all of it for me. That's the mission. You know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, it sounds like it's a bit of a meditation or a, a therapy even for yourself to kind of reconcile some of your history and past and reframe and just really occupy this new role of dad. Yes, it's very really much interesting. so. How has becoming a father helped you even, you know, reconcile your own mental health and addiction journey? Like, it sounds like it really held your hand to the fire to to create some change. Is that right? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think a lot of men struggle with suicide and suicidal thoughts. And I think a lot of men who grow up without a strong male role model don't understand or don't see their worth and I was one of those men you know I was suicidal I didn't feel my worth I didn't really care when you have a kid and you you want to be in their life you know there's something that shifts dramatically in that this person needs me more than, you know, I think when you're in relationships and stuff, it's like, I need you, babe. It's like, you don't need that person. Like, I'm talking like a true need. Like, if I don't change my daughter's diaper, she's not going to change it herself. <laughs> you know, like, if I don't yeah. feed her, she's not going to eat. Like, it's a true need. And I decided, you know, it would be very easy for me to just pick up and leave or, you know the unthinkables. It's an easy thing to do, right? It's quite easy to fail at life. And I was like, okay, that's easy. What's hard? Oh, being an awesome dad and like connecting with my daughter. And when she's 25 years old, obviously all your, all kids like resent their parents in some way. We all are going to screw our kids up in like one way at least, but like having a, a special relationship with her when she's older, when she has kids, like these things are hard. That's the hard way of doing things. 
And I was like, so I made a decision, you know, I was like, I'm going to go the hard route because it's worth it. Yeah, it is. What else are we not talking about that we need to be discussing more? In my opinion, because I can only say it's an opinion, because the thing about child rearing, as you know, is that everyone has their own journey. That sounds so cliche, but it's true. Like no child is the same. And no parent is the same either, right? So for me, the most important thing that we should be talking about is inclusion. Like, I think it's really easy to take advantage of a father's role. It's like, because dads, historically or whatever, the, you know, the generalization is that they do the outside work. It's like, take out the trash, clean the dishes maybe go grocery shopping. I think we need to change that narrative. I think it's really important. You know, I'm just so sick of hearing like, oh, wow, you put your your daughter down for naps? Like, I hear that. We need to change that. That's that's not right. Couldn't agree more. A lot of people listening are moms themselves. So, you know, if you could inspire them with some ways that they can be more inclusive of their partners if they are in a you know, heterosexual relationship, like mm. what would you encourage them to do? What are some small things that they can do to start that shift? This isn't necessarily for moms or for dads. It's for partners in general, is I think you have to give praise, right? I think men need to do a better job at praising women for being this like sole caretaker in terms of Let's talk about like a, like a nursing mom or a, a baby who's, you know, still on formula or something, right? Like that primary role of like keeping a baby alive, it, it's going to fall on mom. But I think that it's important. Moms also see that like the role a dad plays, like even if it's as little as taking out the trash, like just a little bit of praise. Like I think we lose track of praising our partner on both sides when a kid comes into the picture because it's so hard to find balance a little thank you goes a long way like i think making a partner be seen if it's the littlest thing is just so important and i think a lot of dads don't feel seen because their roles are so like minimized at times it's like well all you do is take out the trash it's like but that's a thing like let them have that it's a thing Yeah. 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 Well, I think also we're so habituated to praising the mom because we know how much mom is doing. And you're right. We don't thank dad. We don't praise dad for his, you know, role and what he's doing in the day to day. I think that's a really, really good thing for us to all remember to do, myself included. (laughs) So as we wrap up, you know, what is the most valuable thing that you've learned about yourself through being a dad? You know, I've said this before. I just learned that I had like no patience. And it's interesting now. I mean, you have a two and a half year old, like toddler. Yeah. Oh my God, will they test your patience? You know, my daughter has had a tantrum this morning because she didn't want to wear a sweater. Like literally she's like, I hate that sweater. And I'm like, you don't hate I mean, with toddlers, so irrational. Yeah, they're so irrational. (laughs) Like, and it tests your patience, like all day long, every day. Your patient patience is tested, and I think that's like the biggest thing. Is like, 
I just, you know, I came into the world just having no patience. Like I used to be a person where I was like, if I don't like what you're saying, I just walk away. <laughs> like if I, don't, <laughs> if I don't like a job, I just don't do it, you know? And now yeah. it's like, okay, you can't really operate that way. It's like, that's no. like incredibly selfish, you know? Yes. Yes. But what a muscle to flex and train and also yeah. discover within yourself that you have this depth of patience. What a gift. Well, mm -hmm. awesome. Miles, thank you so much for being here and sharing and being so open. You are an amazing father and I deeply admire the way that you think about how you're raising your daughter. You're so deeply intentional. I follow your every word on Instagram. So I encourage everyone listening to give you a follow and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L -E -E health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's episode was made possible by the company that I co-founded alongside my co-founder, Tori, and Dr. Bayati, which is Parallel. We are the first and only OBGYN-founded women's vitamin, offering targeted nutrition for each unique stage of the motherhood journey, from preconception through each individual trimester, because mom and baby need different nutrients to support them, and into postpartum. We created this product because we felt completely failed by the available options on the market. There was an opportunity to create more targeted nutrition for each of these stages. And so we turned to the nation's top doctors to formulate these products. So each product is meticulously formulated by our founding team of world-class doctors, which includes notable OBGYNs, widely published maternal fetal medicine doctors, award-winning endocrinologists in partnership with functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists, and even doulas. It was so important for us to create a product that both Eastern and Western medicine doctors could agree on. I personally take the mom multi-pack. I have a little one who's two years old and four years old, but we have incredible products for all the different stages. So for all of you listening, we are going to offer you a very exclusive 20% off your first month with code podcast 20. So head to parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L -E -L, health.com and use that code.